Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben, and this is episode number 57 of the Lean Blog Podcast for January 12th, 2009. My guest today, I'm very happy to have Alfie Cohn, who's an author and lecturer uh, who's written about a number of topics in education parenting, and human behavior. Now, you might think if you're a regular listener to the podcast that this is a bit off topic, but um, I reached out to Alfie uh, in after we had some really good discussion on the Lean blog in regards to a story in the news about Chicago Public Schools giving incentive payments to high school students for earning A's and B's and, and C's and the pros and cons of that, what were the tie-ins to uh, industry or other uh, business or organizational settings. So I reached out to Alfie because he's done a lot of writing on this topic, uh, a number of, of books, including uh, Punished by Rewards, The Trouble with Gold Stars, Incentive Plans, A's, Praise, and Other Bribes. Um, so I, hopefully you'll find this thought-provoking and interesting uh, to think about uh, the Deming philosophy and what we do in organizations. Uh, I, I think Alfie makes a very um, compelling and interesting case of, of why some of these practices should be questioned. So as always, thanks for listening. Well, again, our guest here on the Lean Blog podcast is Alfie Cohn. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Well, I was wondering if you could start off by introducing yourself for the audience, uh, your, your background and how it is you got into the education field. Well, I've been writing for some time now about uh, human behavior more generally uh, and issues pertaining to human behavior that have special relevance to schools and workplaces and families. So, for example, two of the books that I wrote uh, are explicitly about uh, business uh, managing employees and teaching students and raising children. Mm -hmm. One of those books called No Contest, The Case Against Competition, and the other one is called Punished by Rewards, that looks at the flaws of all uses of incentives to try to, quote, motivate people. And we've gotten to talking to you today because it's been a recent topic on the blog, um, looking at incentives in education. And there's been a lot of discussion, and I wrote about what the Chicago Public Schools uh, have, have been doing, I guess a number of other high-profile districts, in, in terms of paying students for good grades. So you know, if you can explain, why, why is that a bad idea? Well, we have to back up for a bit. First, that Chicago is only one of many districts uh, doing some version of paying for grades or test scores now. Mm-hmm. And second, uh, now is only one of many examples over the last few decades where various sorts of reward uh, systems have been used uh, to try to improve the performance of students and teachers, mm-hmm. uh, the latter being uh, something that falls under the the rubric of um, merit pay. And third, that in turn, you know, is only one example of various sort of techniques that are used in the workplace and the classroom where we say to people, in effect, do this and you'll get that. Mm-hmm. Jump through these hoops and we'll give you a doggy biscuit for it. In the corporate world, of course, incentive plans and bonuses and pay for performance um, are, are still very, very common dangling. Uh, what's, what, one thing that's unique about the latest plans for kids is that it sort of uh, does double damage. 
grades are already a reward and punishment system. And the evidence shows that doesn't make any sense, and I'll explain why if you'd like. When you pay kids for good grades, you are uh, giving them a reward for a reward. (laughs) So you're you're really uh, magnifying the harm. I mean, mean, there's a whole book to try to sum up in a few sentences, (laughs) but let, let me say this. Um, rewards like punishments are ways of doing things to people, mm-hmm. whereas what tends to be much more effective is to work with people uh, to try to set up reasonable goals mm-hmm. and to solve problems collaboratively. Um, if I threaten to punish you, do this or here's how I'm going to hurt you, it's obvious that I'm trying to control you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I say, if you do these things, I'll give you some goody, it should be obvious, but isn't always, but that's just as manipulative. And as it turns out, uh, equally problematic, because rewards and punishments can only get one thing, and that is temporary compliance, Mm. but at a very high cost. So, for example, when you look at the research on grades themselves, I'm not even talking yet about, you know, extra rewards for good grades, Mm -hmm. but what happens if you take a bunch of kids and and say, this is going to be counting for, this will count for a grade, uh, and compare that to students who've been given the identical assignment with no grades involved. What tends to happen is that the students who are offered a grade and trying hard to get a good grade, uh, tend three things tend to happen. One, they become less interested in whatever the task is and are less likely to want to think about and learn about that topic when they have a choice right. later. Second, students trying to get a good grade tend to pick the easiest possible task if they're given a choice. This is not because they're lazy. It's because they're rational. (laughs) I mean, you know, clearly, uh, uh, if the goal now is not to understand an idea, uh, but to get an A, then you're more likely to get an A if you're doing something really uh, easy. And third, students tend to think in a shallower fashion, a more superficial way. Uh, when they're focused on getting a grade than when there's no grade involved. So that's why the best classrooms and schools do not give grades. They use other more substantive and less destructive ways of communicating information about what and how the student is doing. Now you really make things worse if you tell kids, not only are we going to dangle an A in front of you, but if you get enough A's, we're going to give you cash or some other goodie or something like that. You can almost watch students' interest in learning evaporate before your eyes when you use this kind of manipulative technique. Yeah, and and that's a real shame. And I'm glad you brought it back um, to that first point about grades in in themselves being a reward. And you talk about offering goodies to people. I guess lack of goodies is a different form of punishment. Um, Especially when you think you're going to get one and then don't. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and, and I think what you're saying reminds me um, back to the writings of uh, Dr. W. Edwards Deming, who is uh, you know, familiar to most of the listeners mm-hmm. here. Dr. Deming was very straightforward in his books of saying abolish grades, that he That's locked right. it into all of the corporate rewards and incentives that, that he also railed against. Yes, absolutely. You know, Dr. Deming is an expert in, in statistics, among other things, and yet he understood the limits of measurement. He also understood uh, the limits of the difference between extrinsic motivation when you're doing something to get a dollar or an A or a sticker or whatever it is, and intrinsic motivation, 
which is doing something because you get a bang out of it, because you want to do a quality job in the workplace, or because you want to uh, figure out um, you know, why the character in this book left home, or figure out an ele- elegant way to solve a math problem. Um, to some extent, Dr. Deming understood, I think, that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation are not only different, but that they tend to be inversely related. More than 70 studies have found the more you reward people for doing something, the more they tend to lose interest in whatever they had to do to get the reward. And so that's why the best workplaces would never dream of having any kind of pay-for-performance system. Dr. Deming understood that what goes on in quality workplaces is uh, you pay people well and you pay them fairly, and then you do everything you can to take money off of people's minds. Because if they come to work in the morning thinking, what hoops do I have to jump through to get more money, (laughs) their commitment to quality and to their job will tend to um, be reduced. And um, that's because they're now thinking of it as just a means to an end. And exactly the same is true with children in school, with one important exception. And the important exception is, in the workplace, you have to pay people somehow. Mm -hmm. And so then you have to figure out a way to do that without pushing money into people's faces. So they're not, you don't make it conditional on, on what they do in the classroom. There's nothing analogous to that, to money. You don't have to give students Mm -hmm. grades at all. And as I said, the best schools don't. Yeah. Well, you talk about intrinsic and extrinsic, uh, motivation. Uh, some of the people have commented on, uh, on the blog post who were sort of critical of, of this whole idea that you know I mean, that, that you're talking about and I believe in very strongly, they they were critical in, in, in asking, well, you know, what you know, we're talking about high school students at this point with the Chicago okay. program. You know, what, what about students who who don't have intrinsic motivation in high school? You know, why not pay them if it motivates them? That we need to look at people individually, and if some people want to learn for the sake of learning, then great. But you know, why not pay some students if you know? And, and this is in their words, I guess. You know, if yeah. that works, why not do that? Well, number one, it only works at best, and often it doesn't work at all, but at best, best possible scenario, it works to get mindless obedience. So it works to get students to open a book and memorize facts for a test. But again, as I said, they will pick easier tasks, be less interested in the topic and learning in general, and will think less deeply. So even in the short run, you're likely to get to pay a very high price in terms of quality of education in order to get that obedience. That's the first thing. Second, you know, some people may be visual learners and some auditory learners. There are different learning styles. But intrinsic and extrinsic motivation are not different styles. When people are extrinsically motivated more than intrinsic, that's not a style to be accommodated. That's a problem to be solved. Intrinsic motivation is what all parents and teachers are hoping for, and that's exactly what rewards tend to kill. So if by the time they get to high school, you get kids who don't seem excited about learning um, and just say, you know, am I going to get a good grade or a test score, alarm bells should go off. Mm -hmm. That's not something where you say, well, for those students, let's continue feeding the fire here. Rather, you figure out what did we do wrong and how can we reverse the damage? Now, I've written books about education, too, um, as as have many other people, of course, that try to address the problem 
Um, how do we revive the intrinsic motivation, the curiosity that all students started out with? And there are various ways that can be done. First, you stop doing more damage with rewards and punishments, but then there's things you have to do proactively. For example, if you're giving kids lectures and worksheets and quizzes and homework, where the point is to memorize facts and practice skills by rote, of course the intrinsic interest in those tasks is likely to be low. Most members of our species are not interested in filling out worksheets. I mean, that's not a and, and that's not a fact, but a problem, a lack of motivation on the part of the kids, that's an indictment of the yeah. curriculum and the style of instruction. And the more you do what people like Arne Duncan are suggesting, keep the basic approach to teaching intact, leave the curriculum as it is, but bribe the kids to do it, the less likely it is that people are going to address and try to solve the yeah. underlying problems. Yeah, and and I'm laughing not because there's anything funny about this, but it's it's just it's 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 frustrating. It's unintentionally funny that right, it seems right. like that would people think would think that would work. So, what, maybe to paraphrase what you're saying is, you know, by the time they, they they get to high school, if their intrinsic motivation is gone, the the, the real leverage point is to go back to early elementary school and figure out how to quit killing that intrinsic motivation. That's that's absolutely right. But uh, that's not to say it's a lost cause for the current high schoolers because there's some really very terrific, interesting, exciting uh, programs that are involved even in high school that can help uh, to revive or resurrect that desire to learn. Right. You don't do it by bribing and threatening. And you don't do it by uh, uncritically accepting the basic approaches to schooling that have gone on. Yeah. High schools are, are in, most high schools in the United States are not really places uh, for learning. They're places for listening and coughing back information on command. Yeah. So, of course, kids say, well, you better give me an A for it. Yeah. You know, but then, so, then the question is, to what extent are they are they real learners? Are they readers? Do they want to pick up a book? Do they have some excitement about uh, creating a science experiment or understanding current events critically? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as I say, it's, it's a, pro a, a proposal like paying kids for good grades is multiply flawed. I mean, it, it, it doesn't help create learners. It actually does damage first. And second, it doesn't solve the underlying problem, as Dr. Deming would say, the, the systemic problem mm -hmm. in the school and the school district and the culture. But third, it distracts us from solving the real problems mm -hmm. by thinking that, sh that the problem is with the kids. Yeah. They, they are insufficiently motivated. So, you know, let's, let's give them a bigger doggy biscuit. And yeah. thus, we'll have more generations given the same kind of outdated uh, unengaging kinds of teaching, and we'll have to keep jacking up the rewards to get them to do it. Yeah, and uh, you, you mentioned Arnie Duncan. I wanted to ask about him. Uh, yeah, he, he was, I, I guess, what most of us would think of as superintendent. I guess somehow he ended up with the title of chief executive officer. Of yeah, that's <laughs> telling that he ended up with that top that title. Yeah. You know, it says a lot about the corporate style yeah. uh, education that we think of as a good thing in this culture. Yeah, so he was. Uh, yeah. CEO of the Chicago Public Schools, uh, President-elect Obama uh, has, has nominated him to be Secretary of Education. So I guess right. it begs the question, uh, or, 
is this going to be pushed as something that should be done nationwide in, in, the, in the name of maybe quote-unquote reform that we should pay students across the country? Yeah, I fear it does, and that's only one thing that worries me about Arnie Duncan and, and other uh, big city superintendents who are more corporate managers than educators. Um, you know, they are privatizing the management of many schools, militarizing many schools, as Arnie Duncan has done. Uh, they talk about um, uh, n- not about helping children to understand ideas and get excited about them, but they, they talk about competitiveness in the global economy as if that's what our primary purpose is for schooling children. There's, uh, there's, uh, Arnie Duncan has no real understanding that, that I can see about better and worse ways of engaging students to make sense of ideas in classrooms. You know, he's not an educator himself. Um, he's more interested in the sort of um, top-down bribe and threat, raise the test scores approach. He doesn't understand that sometimes when test scores go up, parents should be worried and should be asking, what did you have to sacrifice for my child's education to get that kid good at filling out a multiple-choice exam? You know, um, so sometimes, in fact, these uh, pay-for-performance programs for children are based on test scores, not grades. And there we've got, again, not just a bad method, but a bad end. Because the, We're not even using a, a counterproductive technique to achieve something valuable, like helping kids become uh, good learners. Mm-hmm. We're, we're using a counterproductive technique to raise scores on bad tests. You know, I wouldn't even want to use a better technique to achieve that goal because standardized tests tend to measure what matters least. Yeah. That's something Dr. Deming understood as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was consistent in his understanding of this and its application to, to learning. I, well, he used to teach, um, uh, uh, I, I think, a course in statistics at, at New York University. And... Um, he had to give them a grade at the end, and he said, uh, you know, they should. He gave them all A's. Yeah. And 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 when asked why would you do something like that, he said, I don't know if you ever heard him speak, but he used to speak in this sort of bullfrog monotone that yeah. would originate deep in his bowels, you know. And he would say, How do I know what grades the students deserve? I'm only grading the system. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that, that's that's great. And I think we'll have to um, end on that point. Alfie Cohen, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us. It's uh, exciting to have you here on the podcast. Um, uh, certainly, we'll, we'll point people uh, to, to your books via the blog, in, including uh, Punished by Rewards, um, The Case Against Standardized Testing, as, as, as you might not be surprised to hear uh, as a title, uh, Beyond Discipline from Compliance to Community. Uh, Real provocative thoughts and, and really timely. I appreciate you being here with us today. Sure, that's my pleasure. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.